What's up, guys? This is PC, and this is your backstage pass to the Green Room Podcast Series. What's up, guys? This is PC. You're listening to the Green Room Podcast Series, and our guest today is the Renaissance Coordinator and Activities Director from Los Altos High School out in California, Mr. Chris Reeder. Chris, how's it going, brother? I'm doing well, man. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, man. Well, I'm excited to have you on here. I had the opportunity to come out there and actually visit your school, and I was just blown away. Like, And I knew from social media you guys were crushing it, but then to see it in person, I was like, dude, this is so legit. So I can't tell you how excited I am to have you on here today, man. Absolutely. You know, we, we, we enjoyed having you out. It was a nice little visit. The kids, uh, I don't know if you're fully aware, but the, uh, our kids anyway kind of view you as like a renaissance celebrity so having you show up on campus was cool for them they were all nervous and uh but they they enjoyed it they enjoyed kind of showing you what we're about and picking your brain a little bit and uh yeah it's definitely a pleasure to have you out and even more of a pleasure to be here on the on the podcast very cool man so let's before we dive into all the content and stuff let's do a pop quiz you ready i'm ready okay so first question if you weren't a teacher you would be what Oh boy, uh, I would love to be a bartender on a cruise ship, <laughs> and and I say that because I would love to. I just love like talking to random people and hearing their stories, and yeah, there's like a good turnover rate there, and people are always happy when they're at the bar. So uh, to me, I think that'd be a, a fun job. I love it, no doubt. Anything on a cruise ship that would be so cool. That's a that's a spot sure. on answer right there, man. And so along those same lines, how about the next one? Your favorite vacation spot. Um, you know, I, I like a little bit of everything. Um, I, I would say probably something tropical. So, um, Hawaii has been a popular one for us lately. Yeah. Uh, it's just a great place to kind of get away. So, yeah. And Southwest is like super close to announcing their like flight schedule and all that good stuff for Hawaii. So I am super stoked on that because I fly Southwest like Absolutely. all the time. So I'm so excited. Absolutely. <laughs> That'd be cool. <laughs> How about a book that you're reading right now or the most recent book that you read? Um, I'm reading a couple right now. Uh, the one that I've got on my desk here at work uh, that I really want to get some chances is Nine Minutes on Monday. Uh, it's a fantastic management book um, that just talks about kind of how to plan out your week, uh, some setting priorities, and obviously spending about nine minutes every Monday to sort of map out your priorities for the week. That's so awesome. That's what I got right now. Yeah, that's yeah, something great. a lot of people can use. Yeah, I'll, I'm going to have to check For that sure. out myself. Very cool. Great book. And last yeah. one, best concert that you've ever seen? Best concert I've ever seen. Oh, boy. I'm not a big concert guy, but the ones that I've been to, uh, when I was in college, I went to a Dave Matthews concert with a bunch of my friends. And uh, I think the college atmosphere mixed with great music, uh, I absolutely loved it. You can't go wrong with Dave. That's that's cool. No. I like that. That's big time. Yeah. Big time. So let's talk about teaching. And, you know, we talked about you're the Renaissance Coordinator Activities Director, but I also know you were heavily involved with coaching and some different things as well. Kind of provide some of your background and how you got to this point where you are here today. Yeah. So my journey really starts uh, even before I got into teaching. Uh, I come from a family of educators. Uh, my mom was a preschool teacher when I was really little. And then started teaching kindergarten and first grade. Um, and then my dad was a 
teacher uh, and a high school baseball coach, and then eventually became a high school principal. And uh, oddly enough, he was my high school principal. So when when I was in high school, uh, the same year I got there, he got there, and that was that was very interesting. Um, but he was a great guy, and everybody loved him, so I didn't have to deal too much with the heat of having the principal be be my dad. But um, I think all that really influenced me to value education. Um, I never really wanted to be a teacher. I wanted to be a lawyer. Uh, I studied uh, political science in college and wanted to be a lawyer. I, I got a job between my sophomore and junior year at uh, Loyola Law School in downtown L.A., and just kind of seeing the kids and how stressed they were and all the stuff they were going through, it's kind of a reality check for me. And I decided, yeah, I, I don't, I don't think I want to do this anymore. And then I was kind of lost, like, what do I want to do with this, with this uh, degree? And decided I would minor in history and start to teach. And you know, for me, it was kind of a placeholder. This isn't really what I want to do with my life. Yeah. But, uh, for the for the time being, it'll do. Um, and then I just fell in love with it. Uh, I started teaching politics and government, and it was uh, just a great experience. I loved um, kind of enlightening the kids to what was going on in the world. Uh, I also started coaching soccer. I coached girls soccer here at Los Altos for 15 years. I uh, had a really successful run, had a lot of fantastic players, and that was really my passion for a long time. It's, it's what I enjoyed teaching, but that was my side gig that I really enjoyed. Yeah. Um, and then in about 2005 or six. Um, our principal went to a conference somewhere, I have no idea, and ran into this crazy, energetic uh, principal from South Carolina, Larry Biddle, and he just lit a fire under our principal. And he brought Biddle out, and Biddle spoke to our faculty and just started preaching Renaissance principles, and uh, we started it here back then. Uh, we had a couple advisors before I took over, uh, some great guys, one of which is now now our principal, Jeff Hess. Uh, and they really built the program. And then when uh, Mr. Hess left in 2010, uh, he turned to me and said, hey, I think you'd be great at this. And I took over and fell in love with it. Um, in 2016, around there, our ASB advisor stepped down. She burnt out and wanted to get an administrative credential and move on to other things. And um, Mr. Hess came to me and said, what do you think about taking over both programs? Um, and that was kind of a daunting because I was teaching social studies still. I was coaching soccer, Renaissance advisor. So to take over ASB as well was just too much. Uh, but I was ready to step down from soccer. Uh, I had fallen in love with leadership at that point. And so the opportunity to kind of double down on top of uh, the Renaissance and do ASB as well just seemed like a great opportunity. So made a big change and stepped down from soccer, stopped coaching social studies, and just became full-time activities director. And I've been doing that now for three years. And, uh, you know, I tell people I, I think I have the best job in the entire district. Uh, yeah. I don't get paid as much as as teach as, as principals or uh, superintendent, but I love coming to work every day. Um, they've given me time to get stuff done, and I'm a firm believer that time is way more valuable than money when it comes to uh, stuff like this. And then I work with the best kids on campus. So I absolutely love it. Absolutely love it. 100%, man. That, that's awesome. And so for the listeners that aren't familiar with ASB, what, what is that? Like in a nutshell, how would you just explain what ASB is? So ASB is our student council. So um, 
it basically in California we are required to have a student government uh, that operates uh, a lot of things, but the most important thing is basically the uh, ASB budget. So we we our school operates on hundreds of thousands of dollars in the ASB fund, and it pays for everything from athletic transportation to uh, field trips to just just a whole bunch of stuff, and all of that money has to be approved by our students. They're in control of all of it. So that's that's the most kind of government fundamental purpose of it. But the real thing that, that they do on campus is kind of help create the culture and the feel of what's going on on campus as far as activities. Um, so they, they run our homecoming activities. They do our prom. So it's dances. Uh, they help along with uh, Renaissance. We do tailgates before uh, our football games and uh, just a lot of that stuff. So it is a student leadership group similar to Renaissance, but uh, they're more focused on uh, events. They're more focused on um, memories. You know, I tell the kids, your job in ASB is to create memories. Uh, I just had my 20-year uh, reunion, and, and, and I was telling the kids, like, you know, we're not talking about classes. We're not talking about what we learned. We're not talking about that. We, we're talking about the big football game we went to back then. We're talking about uh, the dances that we had. We're talking about those memories that were made 20 years ago, but they've stuck with us. Yeah. The big wow moments. So that's kind of ASB's job to make those school-wide big blowout wow moments. I love that, man. And so on a lot of campuses, especially in California that I've been to, there's two separate people that teach. One of them does the ASB, one of them does Renaissance. And so a lot of times that can kind of lead to some animosity between the two groups of kids. You know, they're all kind of like almost competing against each other. I love how you guys have it set up to where you're teaching both things. Talk a little bit about how you deal with that to ensure that everyone's on the same page there at Los Altos. That's tough. Uh, and and, and it's, it's not something that I've perfected, but it's definitely something that has gotten better since I took over. Um, we had two people uh, for as long as I've been here. There were two separate groups with two separate advisors. And um, I think the biggest issue was that there was a lot of crossover. There was a lot of things that they weren't clearly defined as to is this Renaissance's job or is this ASB's job. Both groups kind of looked at it as their job to create school culture, but they didn't always collaborate on those things. So the biggest thing for me that I've been able to do being an advisor for both is just clearly define the roles of the two groups. So what is ASP's job, what is Renaissance's job, and what are those things that we're going to collaborate on? And as long as I know that as the advisor, and as long as they're fully aware, I think it's minimized the conflicts. I don't think with teenagers you're ever fully going to get rid of them. Right. Um, because they do have that competitive streak, and they do kind of want to always one-up the other group. And to some degree, that's healthy, because they watch the other group be successful, and they think we've got to step our, our game up. So I'm okay with it to a certain level. I try not to feed into it. Uh, the other thing is we do a lot of joint activities together. Uh, so they see themselves as a team rather than competing on things. Uh, the first big event we have on our campus is a welcome day. So our first day of school is kind of a big blowout fun day. We have a dance party. We had uh, D. Hankins came and spoke last year. He was absolutely fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and we just had, yeah, it was great. So we just have a fun time on that first day. We plan workshops for the kids, and Renaissance and ASB work together all summer on that day. So it's their first major job, 
and they're collaborating. So they begin to see each other as partners rather than as uh, adversaries. So the last thing I would say with that is um, three years ago, I was lucky enough to start a freshman leadership. Uh, so I teach Renaissance ASB and then a freshman class. What I was noticing is uh, every year I would put out applications to incoming freshmen and I would have three, four spots for freshmen and I would be getting 25 applications. And they were great kids, but I just didn't have room for all of them. So I would have to accept what I thought were the four best and turn to over 20 of them and say, you're great. I just don't have space for you. Please apply next year. Yeah. And they wouldn't. They would go do other things, which is fine, but I was losing them. And it always drove me nuts. So what I started a couple years ago is a freshman leadership class. And that has helped because what it turns into is kind of a, a feeding system into the two groups. But they get a year together. So all those kids as freshmen are together in the same class. We're doing bonding activities. We're talking about leadership. And then from there, they kind of decide, okay, am I, am I being called more toward Renaissance or ASB? And so since they had that year of being together, after they separate, uh, they're still friends. They've still interacted for a year. They've still bonded for a year. That's awesome. That's so cool. Yeah, man, that's, that's, that's a great explanation, great way to do it. And I just love the approach, especially like you said, with that freshman leadership class. Then we're getting them together. They're learning about each other from the get-go into where hopefully we take away a little bit of that animosity that goes along with there. Um, Renaissance, one of the cool things about Renaissance to me is that it's unique on every campus, right? Like no two schools are going to look the same. And you guys have a committee system set up that I just absolutely love. Explain those different committees that you have and what they're each responsible for doing. Right. So I know on, on some campuses, uh, Renaissance isn't a class. It's like after school club or uh, it's even, you know, kids who make a certain grade are part of the Renaissance com uh, uh, community. But on our campus, it's actually a class. So we're lucky. Um, I have them um, every other day. We're on a block system for two hours. And so having them in class is great. And what we've done in our class is they're broken into four major committees. So along with our president, vice president, and treasurer, uh, we have student recognition. Uh, we have faculty recognition. We have promotion. And we have tech. So they're all pretty self-explanatory, student rec. They're sole focus every day, every week, every month is find creative ways to recognize students on campus. Staffalty Rec, same concept, but for staff. Promo does all of our uh, advertising posters, uh, online flyers, all that kind of stuff. And then our tech works on videos. They run our sound at, at all of our events. Uh, yeah, yeah, so that's pretty much those jobs. Um, we also, next year, I'm actually planning on creating a kindness committee. Uh, I've been really inspired by this the last couple events that I've gone to. Just the concept of kindness, I think it definitely has, it's definitely something that high school campuses in particular need more of. Um, and I think it's our responsibility as student leaders uh, and as faculty leaders to model that and to get kids inspired to be more kind to each other. So one of the things I'm doing next year is we're actually going to create a kindness committee uh, and that's going to be their sole focus is just do monthly kindness projects uh, I don't know if you've heard of the sit with us app there's a really cool app out there that um, 
kids can run uh, like lunch groups and they put them on this app and then any kid at your campus who feels lonely or that they're by themselves during lunch, uh, they can go on the app. It's very safe and they find, okay, you can eat with this lunch crew here. And they can just walk up to that group of friends and they know that they'll be accepted. Uh, and we've struggled with how to kind of make that work well at our school. Yep. Um, but, but this kindness group will uh, be in charge of it. They're going to run our kindness week. Uh, so we've got a lot of fun things planned next year for that group. And, and again, their sole focus will just be just go out and be kind to people. Just go out and find new ways to inspire uh, our, our community to be kind to each other. And then the last thing is we have subcommittees. So for our major events, special events on campus, uh, we run a middle school leadership conference. Uh, we do a Conquer Cancer Week during uh, our mascot is the, the uh, Conqueror. So we do Conquer Cancer uh, during October uh, in conjunction with breast cancer awareness, but we've expanded it to uh, to all cancers. Um, we do a Dude Be Nice Week. It used to be Rack Week, a Random Acts of Kindness Week. Uh, we do Mr. Conqueror, uh, which is like a male beauty pageant, so it's a lot of fun. The boys come out in their, their uh, tuxedos. We get donated, and they have a great time. Uh, we do outreach to our feeder schools. But all of these things are subcommittees, and What's great is uh, I try to put younger kids in charge of those. So the uh, the upperclassmen, the seniors and juniors tend to be in charge of the committees because they've been there, they know how things run, they train the younger kids. The special events, I try to put sophomores or juniors in charge of those because it's their opportunity to kind of show off what they can do uh, if they can organize. Um, so that's a great opportunity for them to show me what they're made of. Yep. And it's sort of an audition for maybe a future president or vice president spot as well. For sure. How do yeah. kids, how do they get to be a part of your Renaissance class? So we have an, we have an application process. Uh, we, it's not really based on grades. You don't reach like a level and then become part of Renaissance. So at our school, there's an application process that starts in March. Um, they submit a statement of interest to why they want to be in Renaissance, sort of what their character traits are, uh, what their skills are, why they think they would be a good part of the of the group. Uh, and then they also have to get teacher uh, recommendations. So there's two of those forms. They get two teachers on campus to write them a recommendation. They score them on various aspects that I'm looking for. Uh, and then we do interviews. Um, after spring break, we come back together and I set up a week-long uh, interview process where I'm involved, but I don't run the interviews. I actually have the students from our group run the interviews. They do nice. all the questions. Yeah, because I really want to reinforce the concept with them that this is a student-run organization. It's not about me. If, if I were to leave tomorrow, this group really shouldn't change a whole lot because it's really about them. Um, and so that's reinforced through that process. The The students are the ones who are asking questions, putting them through activities. Uh, we have a score sheet where they're going through and making notes and scoring all the kids. And then after each interview, we have a conversation. Um, and that's that's definitely a leadership opportunity as well for our kids because they have to learn how you, you know, what are we looking for? What is it that we're valuing in our group? And, you know, we're not just looking for cool kids. We're not looking for popular kids. We're not looking for smart kids or, or artistic kids. We're looking for kids who kind of fit what are we all about? And so having our leaders in the interview reinforces to them, this is who we are. This is what's important to us. And, and we've got to get the right people in our crew in order to make it work the way that, that uh, we want it to. 
freshman leadership has also helped because it's not a guarantee. If they're in freshman leadership, they don't automatically get in. It's I tell them it's basically like a year-long interview because some kids struggle in interviews, right? They might be rock stars, and they get in an interview, and they get all nervous, and they clam up, and they they make mistakes, and, and they walk out of there thinking, oh, man, I totally blew it. And, yeah. and that's tough because, you know, for me, I've got, I've got 75 applications. I can't spend a whole day with those kids. Um, but the freshman leadership process has been great because I get to really see who they are. I've got quiet kids the first three weeks of the of the year. If you would have said, hey, this kid wants to be in your uh, leadership crew, I would have said, there's no way. This kid hasn't said more than two words and he just kind of sits in the corner and does nothing. And now four months later, he's awesome. And I've never really seen who he is. So freshman leadership is a great opportunity for them to get in early and show me, hey, this is this is what I'm all about. Very cool, man. And that day that I was out there, your kids, I think it was your freshman leadership class, they were hosting an event. It was during lunch. They had music, they had games, they were giving away ice cream. I think it was like National Ice Cream Day or Ice Cream Sunday. Yeah. And what was that all about? Like, how often do you guys do those types of things on your campus? Uh, we don't do them too often. Uh, we do try to go out and have fun when we can with them at lunch. Uh, I wish I could go back 60 years when this school was built uh, and uh, grab the architects uh, by the collar and say, what are you doing? Because our school is not laid out very conducive to any type of community activities during lunch. It's very, it's very compartmentalized where the kids hang out. So it's tough, um, but we do try to get out there as often as we can and, and have some fun stuff. That day, you're right, it was National Ice Cream Day, uh, and I actually stole that idea from a school called Great Oak High School in uh, Temecula, California. I went down one day and visited them and hung out and uh, learned a bunch of stuff, stole a bunch of stuff, as best teachers do. And um, and they celebrate National Days of. They actually have a whole crew that just does that all the time. And I thought, that's so cool. It's just a fun way to, just for really no reason at all, just to create a fun, energetic environment on your campus. Um, so what I did in my freshman class, uh, I was actually absent one day, and I needed a sub-lesson plan. So I gave the kids the website to the National Day of Calendar, and I said, your job today is to research a day over the next two months that you think is fun. And I had them design a whole proposal about what would we do that day, what would it feel like, what type of activities would be going on. They had to create a music playlist and what would the kids be doing, what would the teachers be doing, what would the field be on campus, all that stuff. And then what I did is uh, they created a poster. And I took that poster and put them up on the walls in our leadership room. And I had our senior leadership groups, Renaissance and ASB, went around and voted on which day they thought was the best. And the vote was for National Ice Cream Day. And so I had my freshman organized day and put it all together. And they went out that day you were there. It happened to be the 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 uh, celebration. Yeah. And uh, it was great. Yeah, they were giving away free ice cream and playing music and uh, pinned the cherry on the Sunday and all kinds of silly fun stuff. Uh, so, yeah, it was nice that you came on that day. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's just something that breaks up the monotony, you know, because like it, the school year is a grind for teachers, but it's a grind for kids, too. And so I loved it. I love the whole concept because it just it's something fun. It's uplifting. You got the music going, you got some games and it's kind of a break from, you know, the regular grind of the school day. For sure. And for those freshmen, it's an opportunity for them to kind of experience an aspect of leadership on our campus, which is you got to organize stuff, put it out there. And some kids are going to accept it and be all about it, and some kids aren't. And how do you deal with that? How do you deal with, uh, I don't know if you if you recall, but that day, you know, they were struggling. They were 
they were supposed to be playing music and they had, they didn't get the aux cord in time and they were looking at me and saying, you know, where is it? And I'm thinking, you know, I don't know, you know, you guys go find it. So it's part of their experience to, to, to see what it means to plan something, what it means to struggle. How do you adapt when things go wrong? And in the end, it's a, it's a 15 minute lunch rally. So if it's horrible and it fails, nobody's really going to care. Right. Uh, but it's a great opportunity for them to see when the stakes aren't high for them to see, uh, what does good preparation look like? And then if they struggle at things, which they always do, you bring them back afterwards, sit them down and say, okay, guys, you know, what did we do well? Where did we struggle? And how can we be better next time? Yep. That's what it's all about. That's leadership right there, right? For sure. 100%, man. One of my favorite things that I see you guys do is how you greet and how you welcome the students that transfer to your school, like during the school year. Um, and I see the posts on social media sometimes, and it just like, it warms my heart, man. Talk a little bit about what that entails and how that's helped the new students in terms of just getting acclimated to your campus. Yeah, so a couple of things. Uh, two years ago, our principal uh, at our start of the year meeting sat us all down and started throwing some data at us, as principals love to do. Yep. And uh, one of the interesting things that we saw that really stuck with me is the principal was showing us data on <clears throat> the things that can most positively and negatively affect students, um, things that like death in the family or um, getting an F, you know, all these things that can have negative detrimental effects on a kid's success on campus. And oddly enough, the single thing that affected them the most, according to this data, and I wish I knew where it came from, but I don't, um, was moving schools. More so than a death in the family, that when a student moves to a new school in the middle of the year, it has a huge negative effect on that student's academic performance. And so we decided that that was something we wanted to try to combat. So we decided that it would be a good idea for us to begin targeting those students for welcoming, recognition, uh, just making them feel welcome. So the first thing we do is we have a check-in slip. And when the student comes in to check in in our, in our guidance office to get their classes and all that, their counselor gives them this check-in slip. And on that slip is a number of things. It has, obviously, their name, what school they came from, uh, and then interests, hobbies. Are you interested in trying out for a sport uh, or an activity on campus? We give them a list of the various things and contact information. So if they do want to be a part of a specific club, they know exactly where to go. Um, and then what we do is, one of the questions on there is, are you interested in having a leadership student kind of buddy with you for the first couple weeks? And some of the kids say no, and that's okay, and we want to respect that. We get a lot of kids who, uh, you know, air quotes, transfer into our school, but the reality is they're, they might be kickbacks from our, from our, from our, uh, our uh, continuation school, or they may have grown up in the area and then chosen to go to another high school and then they're coming back. So those students, um, they already have a support group on campus. They know kids on campus or they've been here before. But those real transfers, we'll get kids coming in from Mexico. We had a kid come from Texas. Uh, recently we had a kid come from the, from the burn areas in uh, Northern California. We had a kid check in from up there. Uh, and you know, those kids, they, they don't, they know nobody. They have no connection to the school. They don't know anything about the culture. 
They have no support system. And that's a really scary time. And so our job is to reach out to them and make them feel comfortable. Our Renaissance crew takes that form and makes first contact with them. Our goal is to do it within a week. Uh, it can be difficult, but uh, within the first couple days is best. We go buy a box of donut holes, which costs us five bucks. We get five dozen of those. Uh, we take that uh, those donut holes. We go in. We announce to the class, "Hey, you know, we got a new student here. Here's Johnny. He's coming in from wherever. Let's all welcome Johnny." We give Johnny the box of donut holes and encourage him to share it with his class. And what that does is it immediately makes Johnny the most popular kid in class, right? Everybody's like, right on, Johnny, you're the man, right? Because we're all getting donuts because of you. Yep. It creates conversations. It creates connections. Um, so it, in that class anyway, he is he's seen by his classmates. Uh, they immediately know who he is. He's not just that new weird kid in the back corner who doesn't have any friends. Why is he so quiet? You know, there's a lot of that. Um, so that, that conversation starts. Uh, he begins to connect. And then what we do, if they want it, is we partner one of our Renaissance kids with that new transfer student. So we give them their phone number. Our kids are uh, instructed to contact him uh, or her within the next few days and just make sure everything's going well and then revisit with them and really form a connection. So, you know, I tell them, you don't have to become best friends. You don't, you know, this doesn't have to be your new best friend, but it's your responsibility to make sure that this student feels comfortable here that they're not lost, that if they need to eat with somebody for lunch that you're inviting them over. Uh, I just think that's a very important thing. And I would say becoming a parent, and I'm sure you can, you can attest to this as well, um, becoming a parent really changed my perspective on how we treat kids. Um, I wouldn't say I was a heartless or mean teacher before, but having a daughter who went who started going to school <clears throat> and seeing her struggle to make friends and she's not the most outgoing kid in the world and and you know I just you sit there and think like God, I wish there was a kid on our on, on her campus who would just take a minute and talk to her and ask her her name and and, and take her under her wing and and I just think that that's so important for kids who are struggling and, and really need that. And if it's not going to be us as student leaders, then who is it going to be? Yep. So trying to push that concept with our kids. And, and, and they've, they have really accepted it. <clears throat> to their credit, our student leaders have really taken that and uh, run with it. And they absolutely love doing it, which is great. And so let's keep diving into along that concept with leadership and developing young leaders, which is what you know your job entails. And so many places I go to across the country, leadership and, you know, your organizations, it's all about like homecoming week and dress up days. But we both know there's so much more to it than that. Right. So share a little bit of like your strategy. How do you develop young leaders? It's difficult. Um, <clears throat> there's a lot of stuff to get done. Um, I think. You know, I think to some degree being a good activities director, a good advisor, is kind of like being a good principal because principals have so much stuff to get done on a campus, but they also are responsible for feeding the people, you know, feeding the people on their campus and, and building that, that the community. <clears throat> and it can be tough because you get caught up in the politics and all the stuff. 
for us, it, it, it's just as tough. Like you said, there's just so many things to do on campus, and it's really convenient to just turn your kids into worker bees. Yep. Um, and leadership becomes making posters and planning things and um, <clears throat> meetings, and and you forget sometimes that wait, this is a leadership class. You know, this isn't a this isn't a poster making class. Yep. Um, and so the, some of the things that have helped for us that, that we do, first of all, the freshman leadership has helped tremendously. Um, <clears throat> the way we do it, the first semester, they don't do anything. So the, it's all about learning, reflection. They read the seven habits of, of uh, highly effective teens by uh, Sean Cubby. Yep. Oh, fantastic book. Leads them through some wonderful habits that, that, that they can create as leaders. We have a lot of conversations. Um, so that whole first semester of their freshman year, they're not doing leadership. That's, you know, that's uh, a phrase that I use with them. We're not doing leadership. You guys aren't going to be planning events. You're not going to be <clears throat> advertising things. You're not going to be that, – that's not what we're doing. It's all about you. It's about growing and learning. Um, so that's, that's one thing that has helped tremendously. Uh, we use the Harbor quite a bit with our groups, uh, which is a fantastic resource. We absolutely love the Harbor, uh, and that always leads to wonderful conversations in our in our crew. Sure. Uh, I I have them do something called a thought of the day. So, every day in class, one student is responsible for bringing in a leadership thought of the day. <laughs> it takes about five minutes or so to share, and then we have about another five to ten minutes of conversation, depending on our workload that day. Uh, and they're great. They can range from a song to a picture to most of the kids like to show video clips. Um, I tell them they can do anything except a quote. Quotes are too easy. It's something that they'll just pick a random quote and read it, and it's, it's kind of anticlimactic, but knowing that they research something a little bit deeper. <clears throat> so those uh, thoughts of the day are fantastic. Those are great opportunities for us to kind of remind ourselves about the values that we stand for. I do a lot of reflections and self-evaluations with them. It's part of their grade. Uh, every every six weeks, we have six-week uh, grading periods at our school. So every six weeks, they have to turn in a personal reflection. <laughs> of the six weeks, they have to, to uh, write one out. And then I give them a self-evaluation form that goes through the different expectations of our crew, uh, the different values, and I ask them to evaluate themselves honestly. and I try to sit down with them as often as I can and kind of go over those. Usually what I look at is if a kid's self-evaluation is dramatically different than my evaluation of them, then we need to sit down because yep. there's something going on. That yep. We're not on the same page. You know, if a kid gives themselves an A and I look and say they're, they're fantastic, uh, we probably don't need to sit down too much to talk. Um, but when I look at a kid and say, this kid's really struggling, and they're like, no, everything's good. I have an A. Uh, there, there's something going on. So, so we sit down and talk. I like to set a leadership theme every year. Um, last year was find your why. So we really focused a lot on what we did was always about why are we doing this? What's our purpose? How does this event, how does this recognition, how does this thing we're doing connect with our group why? Um, and so we focused on that a lot last year. <clears throat> this year our theme is be thermostats, not thermometers. And I wish I knew where I heard this. I think it was at the Renaissance National Conference. Somebody used that phrase, okay. and it burned itself in, into my brain. And so uh, what I tell the kids is a thermometer reacts to the temperature. Whatever you If you walk into a cold room, the thermostat 
becomes cold. If if it's uh, <clears throat> I'm sorry, the the thermometer becomes cold. And if you walk into a hot room, then it then it shows hot. The thermostat sets the temperature, and so I'm constantly harping on them. And it's it's great because I can just kind of in in a room where something's going on at a at a at a basketball game or something. I can just kind of look at them and say thermostats, and they know exactly what I'm talking about. Right? Yeah. Hey, your energy is – you guys are reacting to the negative energy of whatever's going on. So <clears throat> so that's our theme about being leaders, setting the tone and the temperature of what we want. If we want school spirit, we need to be the ones to set it. If we want positivity online, we need to be the ones to set it. So that's our theme this year, be thermostats, not thermometers. That's big time, man. I love I love that. And it's a great concept. And it's so true. You know, like what what happens to the vibe of the room when you walk in? And a lot of times people, you know, underestimate the ability that they have to influence the mood in a room. For sure. Absolutely. Your role as an educator, like we all know, it can be totally overwhelming. And then when you add things on top of that, such as Renaissance and ASB and, you know, things like that, like it can get just insane. What advice do you give to a teacher that's either a first-year teacher, like they're just getting started with Renaissance, or maybe they've just taken over their school's Renaissance program? What would you tell them? The first thing you need to do is find the right kids, um, because this group is not about you as the adult. Early on, uh, you as the adult need to obviously know what you're doing. But if you don't have good kids, uh, you're not going to last very long because no one person can successfully do this job on any campus. It has to be a team, uh, and you have to have great kids. So fight for the right kids early on. Uh, reach out to the adults on campus who you respect and ask them to refer kids. Um, explain to them what you're trying to do what this group's all about, and then say, I need kids who understand this concept. And once you start getting those students into your group, <clears throat> it really becomes a snowball effect because other kids on campus who believe in what you're doing will apply, and other kids who enjoy watching you recognize people and make them feel special and make them, as you say, make them feel seen, heard, and loved, people, I think, are naturally drawn to that concept. And so... You will get kids on your campus who like that, and they will start applying. But early on, you have to make a very purposeful, conscious effort to get the right kids. Um, <clears throat> get hard workers. Get kids who are dedicated versus going after the popular kids. Sometimes there's a – I think that is how a lot of groups are started. You say, oh, we got to get the popular kids so everybody wants to be a part of it. Well, then what you're doing is you're drawing popular kids. Uh, and if that's the group you want, okay. But to me, that's not really what Renaissance is about. It's not about getting the most popular kids on campus. It's about getting the kids who have a heart for loving other people and recognizing other people. Uh, the second thing I would say, <clears throat> going back to the book that I'm reading right now, is you got to set priorities for your day, your week, your year, wherever you are. Um, Renaissance is a big, big concept. And the more... You get involved in it, and the more you connect with people and the more conferences you go to, <clears throat> you can get absolutely overwhelmed by all the amazing things going on. And if you don't have a clear vision for what you want your group to be like, if you haven't set priorities for your group, uh, you're going to drown in all these ideas. You're just going to be 
<clears throat> doing random things on your campus that have no real purpose or connection. Um, so I think sitting down and setting those priorities and saying this is this is what I want our group to be doing can kind of focus that. Um, balancing your work life with your home life is definitely a uh, difficult thing for all educators to do, but taking on something like this can be tough. Um, so for me, when I took over both groups in particular, sitting down with, with my wife, I have a very understanding wife who's uh, absolutely wonderful, um, and she's very supportive of me and our students, uh, and she's a fantastic mother. So sitting her down and having that conversation about um, this is more than just teaching now, right? This is not, I'm not showing up at 7.30 and leaving at 3. Um, I'm going to be there after school. I have a number of hours to dedicate to this. I think that's important. I have two young girls and talking to them. This is what daddy does. This is why I'm not home some days. Um, it's definitely a family job. Uh, and I think that that's something important for someone getting involved to understand. Um, Another thing I would say is don't be afraid to say no. That That is a concept that I think a lot of <clears throat> dedicated educators struggle with. Uh, they want to please, and they, they think that the right way to be a leader is to say yes to everything. Right. Um, and that is a recipe for burnout. And when you burn out, you're, you're not useful to anybody. And so when you take on something like, like a renaissance, you have to be able to say no. You have to be able to say no to your students. You have to be able to say no to your principal, which can be difficult. Um, if I said yes to everything that I was asked to do on this campus, I would probably be divorced <laughs> or I would not be a teacher anymore. Uh, right, right. You just have to, yeah, you, you just have to learn to say no sometimes. Um, and and that's okay. And it's definitely something that, that I learned as I have gotten deeper into it. Um, I have to be true to myself and what I believe is the best way to to do things. Um, <clears throat> and sometimes looking at a kid and saying, that's a great idea, but we're not going to do it. Uh, they don't understand that concept. Right. Uh, but um, but that's something that absolutely has to happen. Um, if I was a rookie <clears throat> uh, Renaissance teacher, and I was at, at, at one point, uh, you got to find a veteran. You got to find a veteran Renaissance instructor to lean on, to go to. They can be a great resource, and they can give you inspiration. And uh, you know, this sounds weird, but <clears throat> you know, when you go through a, a rehab program, uh, they uh, there's a sponsor, right? So when you're having those rough days, when you're when you're struggling, you, there's someone you can turn to and say, "I need help. I need support." And uh, I don't know if that's a, a great or a terrible analogy, but when you become a Renaissance advisor, uh, you're going to struggle. You're going to really have days where you think, this is not, I made a horrible mistake. Right. Uh, I'm not sure that this is, this is what I should be doing. And having somebody you can call, somebody you can turn to and say, I'm really struggling with these things. How have you dealt with them? Uh, I think that helped me tremendously. I have a a couple of Renaissance mentors in my life that I turn to when I can, and they just really help me to refocus. Um, and, and along that lines, I would say you really got to love it. You, you have to find out if this is a program that you love. Yep. Uh, if you don't love it, um, you need to walk away because it is not the type of 
program that you can just kind of do on the side. Uh, you have to fall in love with what the group does, what they stand for, <clears throat> because you're going to have rough days. And I think just like any relationship, I would love to sit, to sit here and tell you that my relationship with my wife is always perfect. Sure. But it's not. Yeah. There are days in our marriage where we go through rough patches. And because we love each other, we fight through them. And you remind yourself, I, I love this person deeply, and so I'm going to stick I'm going to stick through the tough time because I know there's going to be light at the end of the tunnel. Yep. And renaissance is very much the same way. It is I think teaching is very much the same way. There are days, there are weeks, there are months, heck there might be years where we say I think this was a mistake. I'm not enjoying this anymore. This is this is not fun. But if you really love it and you stick it out, you kind of remind yourself this is why I got in in the first place. This is what the group's all about. I love this, and so it's worth it to go through the struggle um, because it's something that I deeply love. Yeah, that's that's spot mm -hmm. on right there. Because like you said, yeah, you're going to have those bad days, and it has to go mm -hmm. back to its core where it has to be your passion. It has to be your love and something that you believe in with all your heart, man. That that's You're exactly 100% right on that. Let's shift gears here, and let's talk about social media because – Social media obviously is huge in society. Um, it's huge in education. And that's how I came across you guys and see, have seen like all the cool things that you guys are doing. You do such a tremendous job of telling your school story and highlighting all the positive things that are taking place on campus. Talk about like why is that important and then how do you stay on top of everything that's going on? Right on. Yeah. So <clears throat> I definitely struggle with this one. Uh, I struggle philosophically with social media. And I think most adults in education do. It's, it's, it's a double-edged sword. Uh, there's so much negative data out there about social media and the negative effects it has on kids, really yep. on anybody. Um, and it's hard because I ask myself, am I encouraging them to spend more time on this? Am I enabling their addiction by promoting what we're doing on social media? In the end, though, uh, I'm a firm believer that you have to meet them where they are. You can't, you can't expect kids to come to you. You can't expect them to, to go to, you know, for lack of a better word, your level as an adult. You've got to get to their level. You've got to get to them. If they're, they're listening to a certain type of music and you want to connect, you know, you don't go play the Beatles for them and say, hey, right, this is, no. You've you got to get connected with who they are. And social media is where they are, not that's the reality of it. This is where they are. And so if you want to make that connection, if you want to get them on board with what you're doing, if you want to get them excited about things, if you want to spread your school culture, if you want to be successful with invitations to things, um, social media is absolutely the best tool that you can use. Um, because it is that double-edged sword, you have to be very, very careful about how you use it. Um, I tell the kids our, our social media basically has two jobs. <clears throat> Number one is to promote promote our school, promote the positive things going on, and to combat the negativity out there. So we don't just try to promote what's going on on our school. That's absolutely part of part of what we do. We, we put our recognitions, we put events, we send invitations, uh, we post fun videos and whatnot. But part of it is 
the reality of social media is there's a lot of negativity on there. There's a lot of ugliness. There's a lot of things that the kids see. And the only way you're going to be able to fight that, the only way you're going to be able to overwhelm and combat that is by putting just as much positivity out there. So positive quotes, liking and uh, positive things that kids are posting, uh, retweeting things, um, <clears throat> following positive examples of social media. There's so many great accounts out there, Renaissance accounts and inspirational accounts, following those things and reposting that stuff. Yeah. So that the kids who are following you see that. And maybe maybe they see a post that Phil Campbell made on, on his account and they say, Oh, that was cool, I like that and then they start following you. Sure. And then their feeds their feed starts becoming more positive because you've injected that into their world. I think it's really easy for us as educators to say, uh, social media is an ugly place and it's dangerous and I'm not gonna have any part of it. And I think um to some degree, I think that's kind of given up. We're saying we know that the kids are deep into this world. And if we don't put ourselves in there, then we're just giving up. And we're saying go ahead and spend hours on end in this world that's surrounded by uh, you know, superficial ideas and, 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 and ugliness and meanness. We have to combat that. We have to get there and be a warrior for them on social media. Um, some of the practical things is I have a student uh, who's in charge, sort of a, a webmaster. Okay. Um, she is somebody who I trust 100%, uh, and I know that the only two people who are posting things on our account, well, actually there's three. So our, our president can post, and then I have our, our social media guru, and then me. That's it. So if something gets posted or, or followed that I didn't do, I know who to call immediately yeah. and say, what's up? Why did this happen? Right? Um, so that's simple. It's not a password or an account that a bunch of people have. Uh, I change the password every year so that <laughs> last year or uh, two years ago, uh, somebody can't go on there and cause a mischief. Um, but, uh, yeah, so I think that's important because you were saying, how do you keep up with everything? And the answer yeah. is you can't. Yeah. I mean, you, yeah, so, so I have a team that helps me. So my renaissance account all of our recognitions are posted by one student that's her job she goes with them whenever they do recognition she's supposed to take pictures or videos and post it that's her job uh, and then my job and the president's job is just to kind of hop on every day and spend a little bit of time uh, looking for positivity or if there's a big event coming up something like that um, i've heard you say it <clears throat> dozens of times if you don't tell your story, someone else will. And I absolutely believe that we have to tell our Renaissance story and we have to tell our school story on the social media because this is what the kids are seeing. So I want them to see that positivity. I want them, when they look at something that has our logo, I want it to be something that's positive, that's recognizing people, that's making uh, something exciting or something positive. Um, I set aside every time, er, uh, time every day to post updates, info, retweets, stuff like that. To me, it's part of my job, uh, just like lesson planning, a lesson for uh, my uh, U.S. history class used to be. I used to spend time every day looking over my stuff and saying, okay, what's the lesson tomorrow? I need to get prepared. What do I need to make photocopies for? <clears throat> As activities director, a lot of that doesn't exist in, in uh, my world anymore. It doesn't mean I just get to sit around and do nothing. So what am I filling my time with to prepare? So I, I try to spend 
time every single day going on our social media accounts trying to post positivity, update things coming up. I just think it's part of my job. Yeah. And, uh, and if I can do that for 20 minutes, half an hour every day, then it doesn't turn into something where I'm on for four hours and I've lost half my day. Exactly. Exactly. That's awesome, man. And for the listeners that don't follow Los Altos already, you need to. And on Instagram, you can find them at LAHS underscore Renaissance. And on Twitter, you can find them at LAHS underscore Ren, just R-E-N there. Um, highly, highly recommend that you follow both accounts because you'll get to see a lot of these things that Chris has been talking about really come to life here. And so that kind of leads into the last question I want to talk to you about, Chris, is you spend, and it's obvious from the answers, you know, so much extra time at school. And you kind of hit on this a little bit from the family perspective, after school events and all the things that are going on that you're teaching and that you're sponsoring. And as a former coach too, like it's very similar in that you look at the hours that you put in and the amount of money that you receive in return, like it does, it's not even close, right? Like it doesn't even come close no. to justifying it. And so, but despite that, you do it anyway. And this kind of goes along with your theme from last year of find your why. What is your why? Why do you teach? You know, I think um, when I first started teaching years ago, um, I enjoyed it because it was fun and it was fulfilling. I was young. Uh, I connected well with the kids. And, you know, I was 22 when I first started uh, teaching, and uh, I connected well with them. We were part of kind of the same era and culture. I had a great time teaching. It was fulfilling. I got to see these kids, uh, you know, do stuff with their life and, and kind of uh, become adults, and, and, and that was great. Um, as I've become a more veteran teacher, though, I, I, my why has changed, and I think it's changed quite a bit. Um, and, and actually, I, I think it will continue to change. I, I'm a firm believer that, um, you know, because it's not always going to stay the same. The circumstances aren't, aren't going to stay the same. And so uh, the reason I teach today is different than the reason I taught 15 years ago. Uh, it's different than really five years ago. Today, um, I would say I spend a lot of time counseling kids and helping kids. And I've really noticed that. Being a teenager today is tough, man. It's 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 really hard. I think it's always been hard being a teenager, but today it's really tough. There are so many things going on in our world and with social media, and, and it, it, it's 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 really hard to be a teenager. And I'm a firm believer that they need good people around them who are going to love them when they need to be loved, who are going to challenge them when they need to be challenged, who are going to push them. Um, Los Altos is a uh, middle-class uh, community. We don't have extremely wealthy kids. We're not uh, dealing too much with uh, super impoverished uh, students. We kind of got those middle-of-the-road kids for the most part, and and uh, and they need people. They need good people. And so for me, the reason I teach, the reason I love it, the reason I'm passionate about it and I show up and stay late and I'm away from the people that I love most in the entire world and, and, and I can deal with that is because I look at my students and I, and I hear their stories and I see what they're going through and I just, I just have a heart for trying to help them, for trying to give them a light and a guidance and, and inspire them to find themselves and find what's going to drive them in the future. 
um, <clears throat> because that's not what the world's preaching to them. The world's preaching to them that that what they want is 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 easy and they can just grab it and they can become you know popular immediately and they can become rich and 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 we know as educators that it that's not the way things work. There's hard work and there's failure and and uh, yeah. So I'm just really passionate about trying to get those kids to to find out who they are and really develop that sense of self-worth, self-understanding, uh, and support them when they need it. It's great stuff, man. Great stuff. And so, Chris, if somebody wants to find you on social media, how can they do that? Uh, well, I am personally, I'm actually not on Twitter, which I think is part of what helps me to be <laughs> so active on Twitter with our school because I don't spend time on my own personal account. Gotcha. Uh, but I, I, I am on Instagram. Uh, so you can just look me up, Chris Reader, if you type it in, I'll be on there. That's a lot of my personal stuff, though. I don't spend too much time on that as far as the whole uh, Renaissance leadership stuff. That's more on our on our school accounts. Uh, I actually was inspired by Mike Smith uh, at the conference we went to with you recently um, out here in uh, Redlands, California. And Mike was talking about spending some time looking over your social media behavior and how much time you're spending on there. Uh, and he was preaching about how he was going to spend less time on social media. I've had Facebook for years, and I finally shut it down. It's there, but I don't I don't use it anymore. I deleted the app, uh, and it's just something that, for me, was taking up way too much of my time. And so I made the decision to just step away. Uh, and I haven't really missed it that much, to be quite honest. So it's it's been a positive step for me personally. It's funny how that works, right? It is. It is. And, you know, it's more time being able to read good books. It's more time to be able to, you know, love on my kids uh, and spend time with, with my family. And that's way more important than any post I was going to make or any update I was going to see. 100%, man. Well, Chris, dude, I love you. Like, I can't tell you how excited I am for you to be on the show here today. I love your kids. I love everything that you guys have going on. And thank you, man. Like, thanks for all that you do. Thanks for being a guest here today. And I look forward to our continued friendship going down the road. For sure, man. Thank you. I appreciate everything you do. I think, um, you know, I was saying earlier that, you know, my job is to help inspire these kids and help them to kind of remember their passions and what they're all about. And it can be tough as educators because as educators, sometimes we're left on an island and, and our job is to feed other people. Our job is to feed those kids constantly. And we pour our cup out. And we need our cup to be refilled sometimes. And it, it's people like you and, and Mike and all these all these amazing Renaissance folks that are involved that I can turn to and get inspired by. And you guys refilled my cup. Um, so I'm a better educator. I'm a better advisor. I'm a better father because of people like you who can inspire me with, with uh, what you're doing. So keep it up, man. I love this podcast. I love listening to it. Um, it's a little – it's like a little mini uh, Renaissance – conference every time I turn on your podcast. It's a little a little bit more poured into my cup uh, so that I'm a little bit more inspired. So keep up the podcast, man. Keep up the tours that you're doing. Uh, I love it. Thank you. Thanks so much, man. Like that means that means the absolute world to me, man. Guys, you've been listening to the Green Room Podcast Series. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed the podcast, if you would do me a huge favor, if you would rate it, subscribe to it, and then share it with a fellow educator that you think might enjoy it as well. Chase your dreams, kids. Mm-hmm.